Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. All right, so today... We are finishing up our series, The Blessed Life. This series has been amazing to me. It has been transforming my mind, the way I see things, uh, separating the American dream from what the blessed life actually is. Um, It has been challenging to me. I hope it's been challenging to you. And I want to finish up this week uh, with it. So if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5 this morning? And I want to kind of, since we've gone over this for a few weeks, I kind of want to set the scene a little bit. I believe that we should read the Bible with all of our senses, that we should understand that this is, these are real events, real people, real things happening, and we should understand all of the context and kind of put ourselves into the situation. So to give some context, at the beginning of the chapter, it opens up with uh, the popularity of Jesus. Jesus is growing insanely famous and popular rather rapidly. He's got followers everywhere. He's extreme celebrity. Like, I can imagine that all these people are probably just running up to Jesus. If they had cell phones, they'd be taking a selfie with him as he's walking or drawing on a tablet that they were with him. I don't know what they did back then. But saying that they're with Jesus, like, have you ever had one of those moments when you've seen a celebrity Now, I have. I've had many moments. One in particular was with Jack Nicholson. I don't know if everybody knows who that is. My younger people might not know who he is. But my older people I know know the red rum thing. So, yeah, uh, The Shining. Um, Scary movie. Don't watch it. I love Jesus. All right. (laughs) So, I'm at a Lakers game, and he's a major Lakers fan. It's It's the Kobe Bryant's final season. And I happen to see him get up and basically take a run for it. And I'm not sure what he's running from or anything, but I just know his security people can't catch up. And so I'm like, I'm following him. So, so I'm, I'm following him. And he, I see him duck into what is, I'm a, I, I figured out, is a private bathroom for celebrity people so they don't have to go into the public bathroom. And at that very moment, I had to make a decision. Am I going to follow this man into the bathroom to take a selfie? <laughs> <laughs> or am I going to wait to come out? I chose the latter, just so you know. I did not follow that man into the bathroom. I w- didn't go creepy Christian um, on him. But I waited till he got out. But he was still in a hurry to get back to his seat because I would assume he probably doesn't want to be bothered. So I just jumped right in front of him, took my selfie real quick. And it's nice and blurry, but I still stand by the fact that it is definitely Jack Nicholson. I don't care what nobody says. I was there, I took the picture. So that's the kind of things that Jesus is dealing with at this moment. Like, people are probably using him as job references. Like, they're like, yeah, I, talk, I know Jesus. I was with Jesus. Like, he, I said, hey, Jesus, he said, hi back. Like, you should give me the job. Like, let me into Bible school because, you know, hey, I roll with Jesus. At this point, everybody's saying they rolling with Jesus. Like, yeah, oh, remember, like, I was there when he turned, uh, turned the water into wine. What a party. Like, you know, they were, like, they were, like, all about this guy. So Jesus is, like, okay, this is enough. So he goes up, he climbs a mountain, kind of like Pastor John and Carrie. Climbs a mountain. Uh, when he gets to a certain point, the only thing people that are left are his disciples. So he takes this time to really help them understand 
what the blessed life looks like. And so we're going to pick up a little bit down here in in Matthew 5, uh, verse 9. And we're going to read from the NIV, and then we're going to read from the message version. Because I believe that the NIV gives us a good understanding of what Jesus was saying, and then the message kind of helps us break it down a little bit into more like our terms today. So, Matthew 5, uh, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Message. You are blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover how you, how you really are, who you really are, excuse me, and your place in God's family. Now, when I read this, and like I said, I get into the context of the people in the Bible. They're, they're the disciples. I can imagine that the disciples were actually probably really shocked to hear this. It was a shock to their system. You're like, Christian, why? Why would, why would that be a shock? Wouldn't everybody want peace? But, see, the thing is about peace is that peace goes against our very nature, our human nature. If you don't believe me, look at children. I heard some parents giggle. Look at children. My wife is a nanny. She takes care of two wonderful little boys. One is three and one is five. These kids can be separated from each other for a week. And they get back together and they just love each other for about 15 minutes. And once that 15 minutes is up, one child will be reaching for a toy and accidentally bump the other's juice cup. And World War III breaks out because he touched that cup. He touched my cup. And then he's, the other one's like, no, I didn't, I didn't touch the cup. You know, they can't really talk. So I <laughs> didn't really touch the cup. And the other one's, like, taking the other cup and, like, throwing it. And he's having a meltdown all over the cup. Peace doesn't come naturally. One time I was walking through the halls, and one of our children here, I'm not going to say his name because it might be yours. Um, he, he, he's running and falls down. And I'm like, oh, hey, bud, you okay? He looks at me and goes, you're okay. I'm like, I, I don't know whether to be, like, good, complimented, or am I, should I be offended? Like, what, <laughs> like, I'm, at, I'm, like, checking on you, and, like, your thing, your first reaction is, like, we're going to fight. Like, and I'm like, like, it doesn't come naturally. If you don't think that's enough evidence, take a look at social media. Now, I thought about doing an experiment, on social media this week in preparation for this message. I was going to type one word, one word on social media, and see what happened. That word happened to start with a T and end with a rump. And I was, I was going to do this and just watch the world explode on, on, on my feed. Then, and like, all I could think about was the scene with the Joker in Batman where Alfred says, some people just want to watch the world burn. And where he takes the lighter and flings it on the pile of money. Whoa. And I thought about this. And then Jesus, not Jesus, well, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, whichever one, <laughs> talked to me, hit me up in the side of the head and was like, um, doesn't that kind of go against what you're trying to preach about peacemaking? <laughs> like, you're, you stirring the pot and causing problems is probably not the greatest idea for Sunday sermon. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so I didn't do that. But I think everybody understands the point, like, what I'm trying to say. Like, I've been, I've been close to, like, super fights with people over LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. Okay? Like, people go to blows over anything. And, and the spirit is like, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth triggering people and causing uh, friction between one another instead of bringing reconciliation? 
It's, it's super unnatural for us to bring peace. We desire it. We want peace. But we don't just naturally produce it. The second thing is that it went against their expectations. And you're like, what? When the Jews were looking for the Messiah, the, the one who's come to save the, save the world, they were looking for somebody who's going to be either a warrior or a politician who would come bring the armies of Israel up from the, from the depths and overtake Rome. They're looking for a warrior. They're looking for a fighter. They're looking for somebody to overthrow Rome and, and bring back uh, all of Israel's power. But this guy said he's the Messiah, and he's saying we should make peace. But you're supposed to be fighting people. Like you're supposed to raise us up to be an army to go overthrow those guys. But you're telling us that we need to make peace. I wonder if, if through this series we've been in a similar position. Not necessarily that we think that, that Jesus should be fighting people, but maybe this blessed life that Jesus is talking about goes kind of against our expectations of what life should look like. Maybe we start realizing that the American dream is almost kind of toxic to what the gospel really means and what Jesus is actually preaching. Maybe it's starting to make us a little uncomfortable, starting to challenge what we believe and what we think, and it's not exactly what we expected. Just a thought. The interesting thing that Jesus says is that he says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Say that again. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. We're like, Christian, what's, what's the difference? What, what, what are you talking about? They're like the same word. Not, not really. Let's look at Proverbs 10.10. 10. And it says, An evasive eye is a sign of trouble ahead, but an open face-to-face meeting results in peace. See, a peacemaker is willing to get dirty with you. A peacemaker is willing to come face-to-face with you and figure things out. Where a peacekeeper is going to let things slide. A peacekeeper is going to avoid a subject. A peacekeeper doesn't want to get involved or make anybody mad or do anything that could upset anybody. He's just going to sit there like a doormat and let everybody trample over them. I used to be this kind of person. I used to be that guy that was like, okay, if we're going to go to the beach, don't tell my mom. Because I don't want my mom to be, feel like she was left out. Or don't tell our friends because I don't want our friends to be mad at us that we went to the beach without them. Which makes absolutely no sense. Especially when you're an adult. <laughs> makes, makes no sense. Like it shouldn't be that way. But we're like that because we're conditioned to want people to like us. The whole point of, of Instagram is to get likes and followers. We're conditioned to make people want to like us, to put up this this identity that makes people want to be around us, and we want people to be around us all the time. But but when it comes to conflict or anything, and things that arise that we we should handle, we can't be that way. We can't just let things slide under under the rug. See. A peacemaker is somebody who says, I will get in the dirt with you, and I'll let you see my dirt all for the sake of reconciliation and of bringing us back together. Whereas a peacekeeper is like, we'll just avoid it. We'll let it go. We're, we'll just, then just internalize it, and then we're just going to breathe it out. And it's gone. Like, that, like that's not, not the case. That's not what we're called to be. See, being a peacemaker is not easy. 
Being a peacemaker, it's dirty work, it's hard, it's emotional. But when you become a peacemaker, you find your place in the kingdom because it is, it is there, in that moment, that you exhibit the personality and the heart of God. This is the gospel. See, man turns his back on God. It causes a separation. Jesus comes. He doesn't just come and sweep it under the rug and be like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's all good. No, he addresses sin. He addresses the separation that we have with, with God. He then dies so that, way we, and so that way we can reconcile and become back in part of the family and part of the kingdom with God. This is the gospel. He literally died for this. He literally died in the sake of peacemaking. This is the gospel. See, you become a peacemaker when you live a life that shows the kingdom's agenda is more important to you than your addiction to being vindicated or proven right. I'm going to say that again. You become a peacemaker when you live a life that shows the kingdom's agenda is more important to you than your addiction to being vindicated or right. We are addicted to being right. <laughs> and when we were a kid, we are taught that if we are wrong, you have lost. <laughs> and we will fight and fight and fight until we have been proven right and that somebody comes to our side and we're addicted to it. When that's not, that's not, that's not what peacemaking is. Peacemaking is not having someone come to your side necessarily. Peacemaking is let's come together, have a face-to-face -face talk, and let's figure things out between us for the glory of God and so we can further the kingdom. The kingdom's agenda is so much more important than mine and my feelings and my need to be proven right or vindicated. There's so many times, like I said, where I, look, I have gone to almost to blows with people over LeBron James. You don't understand. There's people in here, in this room right now that know the truth. But, but there's no reason. There's no reason that I need to try to get somebody to my side and lose them for all eternity because I was the reason. I couldn't come and humble myself enough to bring reconciliation and keep the kingdom mind in focus. It sounds harsh. It sounds harsh. But we have to question ourselves of what is our motives. Do we want to bring reconciliation? Do we want to further the kingdom? Or do you just want to be right? Being a peacemaker is not, like I said, it's not easy. It's dirty. It's hard work. And sometimes it's one-sided. Sometimes you do all your best efforts you can to bring reconciliation. And sometimes it's denied and turned away. Which brings us to the next verse um, Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution, Oh, this is the message, by the way. Persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad 
when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into that kind of trouble. Blessed are the persecuted. If this is your first time at Lifehouse, I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's a good, the, Jesus says that it's a good thing to be persecuted. You're hated. It's a good thing. You've been thrown out. It's a good, even better thing. You've been killed for it. Let's go. Like, like it sounds terrible, but it's it's the truth. It's what he's speaking about. It's everything. See, what did persecution look like back then? It looks a little bit different back then than it did, does today. Back then, they were insulted. They had lies told about them. They were beaten. They were jailed. They were fed to lions, crucified, boiled alive, stoned, ripped apart into multiple pieces, crucified upside down, all the kinds of things. And it was rough, but they held on and clung to the gospel. Jesus said, told them, told him before all this happened, he said, this is going to happen to you for, this, for my sake because of me. If you choose to follow me, this is me. Now, what, is, what does persecution look like today? What does it look like today? I want to tell you, first off, what it's not, okay? What, is perse- what persecution is not and does not look like. It is not your husband snoring all night long. That is not you being persecuted. Sorry, honey. Um, <laughs> just kidding. It's not, it's not that. Being persecuted is not these little things that bug us and bother us and different things. Like, I, and it's a true feeling, though. I understand. Because, like, last night, last night I went to bed early, which I never do. And I shouldn't have. Because I drank a bunch of caffeine and then went to bed. And then I woke up at 1230 a.m. Bing! Like, wide awake. And I'm like, okay, I got to preach in the morning. Lord God, help me go to sleep. I need to go to sleep. And then all of a sudden, I hear giggling. And I roll over. It's my wife. My wife is giggling. There is nothing scarier than somebody's laughing in their sleep, especially when it's your wife sleeping next to you. I was about to start speaking in tongues. I was about to get some anointing oil. I was about to cast that thing out of her last night. I could not sleep. Finally, she stopped laughing, and then she started yelling like, I think she was dreaming that she was with her playing with the kids that she nannies. She goes, one, two, three, yeah. And I'm like. I got to preach. Why are you persecuting me? But God's like, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> That's not persecution. Persecution is not being fired from your job when you were late 12 out of 15 days. And the two days you weren't late was because you were off those days. That's not persecution. That's just you were a lazy worker. And you need to fix yourself. But it's easy to slap the persecution sticker on it because it it gets rid of our responsibility. It takes away the human aspect of it, and we're like, oh, they just don't like me because I love Jesus. That's not true. (laughs) Some of us are, are being persecuted, and people don't like us, but you're actually a mean person. You're kind of a jerk. And so you're not being persecuted because of Jesus. You're being persecuted because, well, you need to get your life right. You need to meet Jesus. If you are being persecuted for anything contrary to the character of Jesus, you are not being persecuted. 
Sadly, these days, Christians are not being persecuted for their Christianity, but their lack of it. Read that again. If you are being persecuted for anything, anything, contrary to the character of Jesus, you are not being persecuted. Sadly, these days, Christians are not being persecuted for their Christianity, but their lack of it. Like I said, you might just be a mean person. <laughs> you need to get your life right. But, but there are many cases where people are persecuted today. It can look kind of like this. Harassment. People bothering you about making fun of you about your Christianity and what you believe. A loss in status. You may not be quite as popular anymore. You lose your friends because you can't see eye to eye on it. And they just refuse to allow someone in their life who believes in God. Maybe you might lose a job. Things happen. People, some people just do not like people who love Jesus. And they throw them out. Purposeful temptation. Like maybe you, you're out with some friends. They know, you, they know you don't drink or anything. And they, want, they try to get you to drink. Or they're like, hey, hey, you want to go, go to the strip club? Like, what? No. They're like, oh, that's right. You're that guy. <laughs> You're, you're holy, <laughs> that kind of thing, where people do things on purpose to try to trigger you. They try to get you, make you angry so they get you to stumble. Purposeful temptation. It happens. But I have to ask the question today, are you living a life worthy of persecution? That's a tough, deep question. Are you living a life worthy of persecution? See, the thing is, our faith should naturally make people uncomfortable. Not in a way that's like overbearing and you're like judging people and telling them that they're sinners and all this kind of stuff. Not that kind of way. But they should notice that there is something different about you. There is something about you that is different that, that makes them uneasy. Something that they, it makes them feel like there's just something missing in their lives. See, when you live a life that is worthy of persecution, you become a carrier of light, which naturally irritates darkness. Will the band start making their way forward, please? When you become a follower of Christ and you begin to live life, the blessed life, a certain way. You become a carrier of light. And light, anytime light enters anywhere near darkness, darkness moves out. It's impossible for it to be dark when there's a light around. So it irritates it. It makes it not want to be around anymore. Same thing happens with people. Same thing happens with people. When you become a Christian, you start living out the life start doing things that you're supposed to do, it begins to make people kind of uneasy around you. Because they, they know that there's something different that they need in their life that, is, that you have. And they just, and just don't know how to take you, don't know how to be around you, don't know how, what to, how to do things. So what do we do with persecution? How do we deal with persecution? I believe the best way to sum up how we deal with persecution is in an, a famous quote, a famous quote 
from the penguins of Madagascar. Those guys. They're surrounded by people, and they're trying to break out the zoo. Trying to break out the zoo. And they're surrounded by people who don't want them to leave the zoo, obviously. And they're like, Skipper, what do we do? And he just says, smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. And if you don't know that reference, you either don't have kids or don't have a soul. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe you just haven't seen the movie. I don't know. But if you haven't, uh, get your life right. Um, just kidding. But smile and wave. Smile and wave. Because see, here's the deal. When you are a follower of Christ and you face persecution, you can smile and you can wave. Because you know God's word is true and he never breaks a promise. That means when everything's good, I'm blessed. When everything's terrible, I'm blessed. When I got all the friends in the world, I'm blessed. When everybody hates me, I'm blessed. When things are going great, I'm blessed. When I'm being persecuted, I'm blessed. Why? Because if I'm being persecuted, it's because I'm being persecuted because Jesus was persecuted first. He was persecuted first. And so if I'm being persecuted, it means I'm becoming more like Christ which is the ultimate goal. And if I'm becoming more like Christ, I realize that my reward is not here on earth. The things that I'm working for are not here on earth. It's in heaven with with my king, who I will be with one day. And one day I'll get to stand before him and I'll get to worship him and praise him forevermore. And I will get the opportunity then to inherit my reward for the persecution. See, When you're persecuted, you can just smile and wave because guess what? This ain't my home. This is not, this is just a place where I'm stopping for a little while. This is just where I'm hanging out. This is just for my current job. Wait till I get to retirement. And I get to retire in heaven with my king and receive my crown. This is just, this is just the place that we're stopping at. So what does this all mean? What's, what's the point, right? Because that's like a big part of it. What is, what is the point of all this? What's the point of these four weeks that we've been talking about? And I think we have to go back to the very beginning. And the very beginning of the chapter, like you said, Jesus has all of these people following him. All of these people following him. He says, okay, we're going up a mountain. He goes up a mountain. Why? Because he needs to get rid of these flaky followers. Needs to get rid of the flaky followers. And I think if some of us were, were honest with ourselves, if Jesus were to tell us to climb a mountain, we probably wouldn't do it. I was talking to Carrie and John yesterday about their, their mountain climbing adventure. And they were telling me about it. And they said, I was like, how long did it take you? And they were like, six and a half hours. And I said, I probably would have made about a third of the way and found a nice shady spot and said, I'll see you guys when you come down in a few hours. Because I ain't about that life. But if, if Jesus were to ask us to climb a mountain, what would we do? So then he gets to the mountaintop, and he's there with his disciples, and he lays it on the line. He's like, this is what the blessed life actually looks like. And it's contradictory to everything they've ever been taught, everything they've ever known. It's the exact opposite, just like us. The exact opposite. And it's a shock to the system. 
And Jesus, what Jesus is doing here is magical. It's beautiful. He's laying out a litmus test to see how important is this thing to you? How important is the kingdom agenda to you? How important am I to you? Where am I at on your list of priorities? Are you willing to go through, do the opposite of what everything you've been taught? To live the life that's opposite, that may end up in persecution or death for me. See, the blessed life, the blessed life is simple. It's one day where Jesus is at the center. Where Jesus is at the very center of your life. He's number one in your life. He's the very thing that you do everything for is, is when he's at the life. See, the thing is, when we take all the chips that are our life and we put it in the center and give it all to Jesus, give it on, we begin to look at life differently. We get to change, our views are changed a little bit. When you, when you give everything to Christ and you go all in, see, it changes things. When he's at the center, you may have times where you are poor in spirit, but you are blessed. You may have times where you're in mourning, but you are blessed. You may be, you may be becoming meek, which is a good thing, and you are blessed. You may be begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and you are blessed. You show mercy to people who don't deserve it, and you are blessed. You become pure in heart, and you are blessed. You become a peacemaker and not a keeper, and you are blessed. You may be persecuted, but even in the persecution, you are blessed. But why? Why all these things? Why did, why did he go through these things? The reason why he went through these things are these because these are the exact experiences of Jesus Christ. This, everything that he put, asked us to do and says that the blessed life is, he lived. And our goal in life is to become more like Christ. Our goal in life is to become like him. So we go through the same experiences that he does because we know that that's the blessed life. The problem is we become so, so uh, indoctrinalized in the American dream that we confuse the American dream for what the blessed life actually is. And today, God is, Jesus is saying, you, the American dream doesn't have me at the center. And I want to be at the center. I want to be number one in your life. I want to be everything to you. I am supposed to be everything to you. You want to experience blessing? Put me at the center. Cast the American dream aside. Don't conflict the two. So i got to ask the question today. Where is Jesus placed in your life? Where's Jesus at in your life? Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.